welcome to the third episode in an old series of Your Time on the Run, the Hunted Podcast from Reality TV Warriors. My name is Michael Holmstone, and joining me as always is the lady who we go to whenever we need short and terse language, Michelle Pierce Denovan. Radio, hi! And finally gracing us with his presence is my fellow Brit, who some have described as an irascible, grumpy, largely miserable old git, Anthony Williams. How did I know that one was coming my way? <laughs> you should have probably expected the finally gracing us with his presence thing as well, because little bit of behind the scenes we have been trying to record one of these a week and uh we've taken a five week gap between episodes two and three because aunt fell asleep michelle's been busy aunt's been busy five weeks yeah it's five weeks five weeks tomorrow since we recorded no way two. it is it is i looked at the calendar oh my god episode one was on the thursday episode two was on the saturday and then we haven't recorded one since and it was five weeks ago <laughs> It is a very good job that we are recording these so far in advance. <laughs> but this has become an absolute running joke in our group chat that it's just like, yeah, I'm not available this weekend. Can we push it by another week? And it's like, we are actually going to get to the point where we're recording as these things are coming out soon. <laughs> yeah, well, let's, let's be fair. This series aired five years ago, so is there really a big rush? <laughs> <laughs> The even better thing is, I haven't seen this episode in five weeks. <laughs> I meant to rewatch it today. I've not rewatched it. So, this is based entirely on what I wrote five weeks ago. Oh, this should be fun then. <laughs> so, previously, all that time ago, 12 fugitives remained on the run, hunted down by 30 of the world's most successful investigators. Devinda and Horenda went on the run, escaping from Leicester. They led hunters on a wild goose chase to Caister, where a vile man was racist about them. However, their insistence on using the same burner phone caught up with them as they were trapped and caught in Glasgow on day 12. Ricky rang home from a phone box to celebrate his daughter's birthday, but it was all a ruse as the hunters were in a spot of body looking for him in the Scottish Islands as he watched on. Spot of body was good. I like that. Thank you. That is our episode yes. title for episode two. I thought of it after we recorded it when I was writing these notes and went, actually, that's a really good title for episode two, isn't it? I'm <laughs> going to make it episode two's one. And we begin with the voiceover man saying from a secret headquarters in London or a shipping container in Tilbury Docks. And Chief Lovegrove says he's focused more on Ricky, he's been flashy with HQ, and as Sherlock says, he wants to prove he's better than them. And he foolishly left his burner phone in the bothy. Mm. Did he foolishly leave it there? He must have deliberately left it there. I don't think anything that Ricky does is accidental, at least not at this point in the episode. Maybe towards the end of the episode that'll change, but at this point, no. Nothing he's doing is accidental. He is. And, and also... It, it didn't strike me till I rewatched it, but it's really odd that they start with ten fugitives still on the run and pictures of people that have never been mentioned. And we're halfway through the series. It's just really weird. And even better, the final people won't be introduced for another two weeks. Yeah, we still don't meet everyone until episode five. It's really weird. That's strange. It's one of the main changes, obviously, between series one and two, and series one and three, and so on. But I like everyone going on the run at the same time and at least being introduced to them all in the premiere. Mm. It gets a bit more hectic, obviously, but it pays off in the end when we actually know at least a little bit about pretty much everyone at the start of the series. Yeah, it's just really odd seeing something on screen and it's almost implied that you should know who these people are. It's like, 10 people still on the run. You're like, what do you mean still on the run? We don't even know that they've left the house yet. And on top of that, obviously they monkey with the timeline a little bit less when they actually have to introduce everyone at the start of a series. Yeah, yeah. Instead of skipping back like three weeks or something. As a point, I did deliberately check what day the things were actually caught on here, 
with day 12, it does skip around. Mm -hmm. I think by the end of this episode, Ricky's on about day 18, 19, I think he gets caught on. Yeah, somewhere around there, I think. Can't exactly remember, because as I said, it's five weeks since I've seen this episode, but I think he does end up getting caught about 18, 19. Black says that if he had to guess, Ricky is an irascible, grumpy, largely miserable old git. He'll be particularly unhappy when he's caught. And we pick up the action with him being on the run for 15 days and on a boat on Loch Linney, belonging to his friend Drew. And his cameraman says he doesn't want Ricky to get cocky and do something stupid and get himself caught. And that is what we know as foreshadowing children. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. Because if he didn't know that Dr. Ricky Allen goes home in this episode, they do pepper in some hints that Dr. Ricky Allen may be going home in this episode. Yeah, it's, it's definitely uh, his boot episode, isn't it? All the way through. Yeah, why do you think they they burnt him here? I don't know. There's no need for it, is there? And, and actually, at the time watching this, I felt like there was more tension. But when I rewatched it, it is really well foreshadowed. And there's just a slight bit towards the end. But even that's edited badly, where he said he was thinking of getting off at Milton Keynes. But then he makes it really obvious he's not going to get off at Milton Keynes. It feels like they could have edited around that and just had him saying... I've got a friend in Milton Keynes, and then we'd be like, ah, he's going to be up at the station before, they're all going to be waiting at Euston, they're going to look idiots. It just felt like the whole episode was Ricky's getting caught at the end of this episode. Yeah, it it was a complete death edit for Ricky. There was no subtlety in, in the edit, especially on a rewatch where you go, yeah, he's really going home quickly. There is not a doubt in your mind when you're watching this episode that Ricky is going to get absolutely screwed. And I seem to remember that Ricky still isn't a particularly happy bunny with this episode. Yeah, I can't remember. I mean, he's, he's angry about lots of things these days, but it's not great. It, it, it's it's just very odd that they they build him up quite a lot in episodes one and two, that he's, you know, he's, he's a smart guy. And, and they even come back to that at the end of this episode. But then this episode, it's all, this is just plotting his downfall and there's no redemption to it at all. It, and it also it just peters out into nothing. It's really disappointing, I think. Yeah, I have a feeling that if this had aired as like series two or three, Ricky probably would have been in our episode five boot. Because he is the very last person to, to get caught before the end. If they'd told it in the sort of more more recent series way, he would have been the really gutting last boot before everyone else potentially runs for the end. Yeah. And they would have just burnt off the people who maybe don't last too long. But then maybe that would have been a bit predictable. It's a good shock when you're watching this the first time to see Ricky go in episode three because you it go, was a really? huge shock. Mm. It was like devastating. And it sort of breaks up the, let's be honest, slightly uncomfortable capture scenes we saw in episodes one and two. Maybe it would have been a bit samey if they'd done that for the first four episodes or whatever and then booted Ricky in episode five. But I'm not sure they do him a particularly good service in this episode he does get really buried yeah it's very strange um i I just don't know why really so the hunters are in fort william only 20 miles away from ricky's position blex is launching a public appeal campaign to get locals to inform against him with a 250 pound reward and i think that the longer time goes on the less likely it is that public appeals will work because yes there are people who will shop anyone for 250 quid but I feel like people get a bit more wise to it. I think that might be true. However, as the show gets more popular, the money becomes less important, and the fact that you're going to be on a TV show 
kicks in, doesn't it? Yeah. Because we do get to the point in this episode where someone on a boat asks if they want him brought in dead or alive. <laughs> yeah, preferably I'm, alive. I'm like, what was that? Jeez. That's dry Scottish humour. <laughs> we go from last week where we have a really quite uncomfortable racist moment with the Sings to this where it's maybe advocating a little bit of murder. <laughs> <laughs> it's just going back to the documentary thing rather than the game show thing. And and that's another thing that, that's oddly edited with, with Ricky is they keep showing scenes of him like moaning about the fact that they've put a reward out for him and that they're putting him in the in the papers and on the radio and stuff. And it's like, what does this add to the narrative? That he's like, oh god, they're trying to track me down. Yeah, that's the whole point of what they're doing. It's just really odd. I think after the first two episodes, they're trying to turn the public against Ricky both actually in at the time. And in the edited version of the show. I think they're trying to turn the viewing public against him in this episode. Yeah. And I, and I wonder if, do you think that's because it's the first series and we're not, it's not really a game yet, so we shouldn't really be rooting for the fugitives? Do you think, I don't know. Yeah, it goes back to the the question of what it was commissioned as, I think. Because it was commissioned as a documentary looking into the extent of the surveillance society and as... I think we actually discussed between episodes two and three. I've dug out the old press website for Hunted Series 1, and pretty much everyone in this cast has some sort of opinion, at least, on the Surveillance Society. Obviously, we know Ricky's because it made the episode, but even like Sandra and Elizabeth, who very much did not last too many episodes, even they were like diametrically opposed on what they believe about the Surveillance Society. I think in this series, because there is no prize money, they are trying to make the hunters the heroes it does feel that way doesn't it later on they, they make a big deal out of them being gloated and then coming coming across a bit stupid you know that like the dimwit thing at the end would be much bigger in a, in a later series wouldn't it yeah whereas i think in later series they make the fugitives more sort of anti-heroes than anything the water's muddy a little bit when you get to later series where Obviously, the hunters maybe succeed a bit more, <laughs> shall we say. But Just a bit. We're not going to grab that thorn. But at least in this series, it feels like the hunters are being portrayed as the heroes and the fugitives as the villains. And then as time goes by, the water's muddy a little bit and maybe you see both sides as sort of anti-heroes or, or worse. Yeah. And conveniently, Ricky does hear the radio announcement of uh, of the bounty on his head, which is something we mention every single series. Of course, they're told to listen to the radio. They might get important information, just so you can get the quote-unquote shock scene. And then HQ turn their attention to Emily and Lauren, and it's another great episode for them, this one. And they are on day 12, and HQ turn to reanalyzing their social media profiles. Emily and Lauren are hitchhiking, avoiding CCTV and being very careful with their money. They haven't used a cash machine since day one by doing odd jobs in return for accommodation. The public have been very helpful to them. And we also get something very interesting at this point in the episode, where we see a repeat confessional from Emily talking about Thelma and Louise from the premiere and going on the run as children. It's literally the same confessional. That's weird, isn't it? Yeah, it's very unusual. And, and Emily's magic hair trick. And they are very stressed by the looming spectre of the Hunters. They're in a caravan park near Leeds. And Lauren says she's going to escape for the day as she's getting a bit cabin fevery. 
And this is, I think, probably their iconic moment. We did reference this last week, where we talked about the fact that there is just a random shot in the sort of montage at the start of the episode of Lauren dressed as a sad clown. And this is where it comes from. She heads off to a village fete and decides the best way to blend in as an adult is to get her face painted as a sad clown. <laughs> Do you think that would have happened in later series? No. Like, no. Seriously. <laughs> I mean, we know it didn't happen, but I can't see anyone ever doing anything like that again. <laughs> I don't think anyone has ever been cast unhunted since this series who would go to a village fate and get their face painted as a sad clown. No. It's crazy. They're they're one-offs, these guys. Maybe Lolly, actually. Lolly probably would be up for that. (laughs) Yeah, possibly. And and I'd completely forgotten the the weird, trippy clown scene (laughs) while she's at the fate, before the bush thing. When it's like all weird motion blur camera and stuff. I'd completely forgotten that. It's just a really odd scene. So weird. It works beautifully in the montage at the beginning, but it's just—it's one of those things that it's better out of context, I think. There is <laughs> absolutely no doubt in my mind that Lauren gets the banner this week of her hiding in a bush dressed as a sad clown. And I know it's a really basic choice because that's basically what's in the the montage at the start, but it makes me laugh every single time I see it in this series, and it makes me laugh even harder when you see the context for it in this episode. Yeah, that's been the banner for this episode for five years, mate. (laughs) And also the last five weeks, because that was when I actually sorted it. (laughs) So the media campaign seems to work. A taxi driver picks Ricky up and rings it in. Nathan Rose joins Steve on the hunt. They send in Elle to do some reconnaissance, and the taxi driver seems to have mistaken him for a man who is 100% not 55, but does have a passing resemblance to Dr. Ricky Allen. It's really funny. Like, first of all, the bloke Elle speaks to looks like Elton John. That makes me laugh. And then they go in, and it's like like Ricky's son. (laughs) I know we said literally minutes ago that they're trying to make the hunters look like heroes in this series, but they still allow them to be kind of a bit more bumbling policeman when it comes to scenes like this. They do get some payoff towards the end of this episode, but we do have to get through these scenes of things like them being tricked by Ricky with the body, and the, I would say, worst piece of reconnaissance we've ever seen in Hunted. So back in Yorkshire, Emily's not a happy bunny that Lauren has gone off, Lauren hears a helicopter and hides behind a tree, and then Emily decides that they have to leave now, Lauren or no Lauren. It's a lot of paranoia. Yeah, just a little paranoid. Like, I wouldn't be this paranoid. It's just crazy. What's wrong with her? I think I've said this in previous episodes, and it is obviously ages ago since we recorded anything, so I can't actually remember it. And ages ago since I edited it. They've never cast anyone like Emily and Lawrence since. I wonder why. And I I think Emily has come out after the series and said that she does have mental health issues. And I think that's the reason they've not cast anyone like her, because obviously she did have the aftercare that they always get, but I'm not sure they would cast anyone like her where the paranoia can escalate her feelings. Mm. It is yes. quite serious, isn't it, in this episode? It, it's, it goes well beyond what would be acceptable in an entertainment show, I think. Yeah. They tell it beautifully in this episode, and obviously next episode as we know they don't get caught by the end of the episode 
they do tell it beautifully in these episodes, but in a game show, they have more of a duty of care, and I don't think they'd cast anyone like her again as a result of that. I'm not sure she would get through the psych testing to be on a game show version of Hunted. And that is not a judgmental statement. <laughs> but wouldn't they have had the same testing of on every series, though? Why would they have suddenly changed their testing? They would, but the, the duty of care is increased because of the prize money. Yeah, this is a documentary, isn't it? So they're, they're documenting what happens to the people. That's that's okay if something bad happens to them. As long as they look after them, that's fine. But if if they suffer mental health issues in pursuit of a prize... That's not a good look, is it? That's your Love Island kind of situation, isn't it? Yeah, that's the sort of thing where questions start getting asked in Parliament. So Emily starts traipsing through fields, and Lauren returns to the caravan to find out that she has gone and left her alone. Then we move back to Ricky, because there's no one else in this episode. Ricky's unsettled by the hunter's efforts, and uses another phone box to ring his friend Mike, and he asks him to call Ricky's wife and ask her to leave £150 under the lawnmower in the log shed. And at the same time, his phone returns to HQ. Julie decides to get the cyber team to impersonate Ricky and confuse his network. And Plex is volunteered to impersonate him, as he's the king of short and terse language. He's also the same age as Ricky as well. That blows my mind a little bit. Yeah, you wouldn't guess it looking at the episodes. As much as I love Plex, obviously, and at the time of recording, he's doing a very good charity effort. You wouldn't guess that they're the same age, I don't think. I'd say they were very similar. I'd say Plex looks older. Yeah. I know Blex has had a hard life, given that he was an <laughs> undercover cop and regularly uh, infiltrating yes. drug gangs, for example. I'd be convinced if someone told me there was 10 years between them. Okay. So Ricky rows away from the yacht. He's worried that he will be caught. HQ's spoof phone gets a text from Eileen. She tells him to let her know if he needs any eggs. And Sherlock says that it shows he hasn't briefed them well enough because they wouldn't have replied to any mysterious texts. And then Ricky meets up with Drew and finds out that HQ have spoofed his phone, and he doesn't really trust anybody at the moment. He feels very alone, which is kind of what HQ were going for. Yeah, I don't trust anybody, but in about 10 minutes' time, I'm going to trust you to drive me to Glasgow. Yeah, in a known car to HQ. Yes. And then we are introduced to Stephen and Martin, whose trail has gone cold. They haven't been seen since they left Walsall two days ago. They haven't been seen full stop. <laughs> <laughs> I'll correct that. They haven't been seen since they left Walsall two episodes ago. Yeah, it's just just so random. They just dropped in for like two minutes of meaningless content. It's just the weirdest thing. And and have you got whiskey and hairbands? I've got mm. a chocolate orange. What the <laughs> hell? Bizarre. I love them. <laughs> I love them, but why Why do we get three minutes of footage of them? Why not just wait until the start of the next episode? It's just pointless. <laughs> well, it made me want to see more of them now. I'm like, okay, I want to see them. I must admit, in this rewatch, I completely cannot remember who gets introduced in what episode. So I was very surprised when Stephen and Martin got introduced here because we saw nothing of them in the next time trailer. No, and, and, and it's, there's no significance at all to why are they in the middle of an episode that is all about Ricky, Emily and Lawrence splitting up, massive paranoia. It's all about psychology. And then suddenly we go, have you got the whiskey, mate? It's like, what? <laughs> What's this all about? <laughs> so Stephen says he's always been obsessed with stories from the front. He's very excited about the idea of doing something massive. 
and Martin is an IT manager, his skills are baffling, and they make a getaway in Martin's dad's Skoda, and then just disappear. And that's literally all we see of them. Wait till next week. And I am about to blow your mind with the next couple of statements, I'll tell you that now. Okay. So there is a breakthrough for Ricky. They have CCTV of him leaving a phone box three days ago. As a result, they've got Ricky's car number plate, and it is now, unbeknownst to Ricky, a liability. It can be tracked on main roads, but they can also get the information from mobile cameras, and sadly for Ricky, he's about to go past one. First, though, he goes to say goodbye to Drew and Christine, who show him the Twitter post calling him a wanted man. Did anybody do the research on this? No. No, go on. (laughs) Because while we were actually waiting for you to wake up, Ant, um, I was chatting to Michelle about this a little bit and said, um, I've got something that I think will surprise you. I have one of the Hunter's phone numbers. (laughs) Oh my God, which one? I'll tell you in a minute. So it isn't from their main Twitter. It's from Nevis Radio on May 19th, 2015, which is day 16 of the hunt at 1.42pm. On the poster is Steve Cottom's mobile number. (gasps) (laughs) Brilliant. Steve! Not just that. I have checked. It is on WhatsApp and it is still his mobile number. (laughs) (laughs) You got the play there amusing WhatsApp. (laughs) The reason that I know it's Steve is because Steve does have the same profile picture as he has on Twitter on it. (laughs) Oh my god. God, that'd be funny. Change your number, mate. By the time this comes out, Steve will definitely be changing his number, but I can confirm that at least as of five weeks ago, I'm just double-checking now, uh, yeah, it still does have Steve's Steve's picture on that, that mobile number on um, on WhatsApp. Uh, please do not, do not give me that number. <laughs> and ironically, he last updated his WhatsApp status eight years ago to the day. Wow. Big WhatsApp user. And Drew responded to that tweet with a picture of Ricky at Castle Stalker on day 17, and it was posted on Facebook on day 18. And I also noticed as a result of this that the show did not use the working title Hunted. It was instead The Search or The Hunt, and there is still a separate Twitter for The Search HQ. Yeah, fascinating. And Drew volunteers to drive Ricky to Glasgow or Edinburgh where he can catch a train. However, as we've mentioned already, Drew's Astra is known to the hunters, bringing him to their attention again. I wonder if he has a sixth sense, because he seems, I know that's how it's edited, but he seems to always sort of know when he might get caught, except for when he does get caught. But he seems to have this sixth sense. He's read a lot of spy novels. So he's always quite wary, I think. I had the feeling when I first watched this, and, and it's backed up from the rewatch, that I, I'd still go with he was surrendering on this. Well, I was going to ask that at the end. Do you think that he kind of was getting tired? Yeah, it just feels like he's too smart to just get a train from Glasgow to London. He knows there's CCTV everywhere. You know, you, you're not going to get through a train station on a train, off it again, and through another station without getting spotted. It just isn't going to happen. I think it probably got to the point, and obviously Ricky's not said anything like this, publicly at least. I think it probably got to the point where he was like, I'm on day 19, there's no prize money waiting for me here, I'm literally just doing this for pride. I'm getting tired, I'm getting paranoid, this isn't good for me, I'm just going to do something big. If it pays off, it pays off. If it doesn't, then, you know, I'm still going to be the star of these episodes. 
Do you think he would win a later season if they had him on again? Yeah, 100%. I think he would try harder. I think if Ricky had wanted to last till the end here, Ricky could have lasted till the end. He could have gone even more remote than he was. There's something that just doesn't add up, and I don't know whether it was one of the off-screen rules or whatever. There's something that doesn't add up here, whether it was Ricky just kind of holding his hands up and going, I know they're on my trail, I'm going to mess with them one last time and then just probably get caught. Or whether it was like, yeah, you're not moving far enough, Ricky, you need to do something now, otherwise we're just going to tell the hunters exactly where you are and you're getting caught. Mm. So Nathan and Steve are sent to track him down. Ricky doesn't know because he is the subject of an article in The Scotsman, and he's described as the most wanted man in Scotland. Emily is hitchhiking in a car and being serenaded, and Lauren is still in the caravan park 13 miles behind her. And then she decides to take a £100 cab ride to the Peak District instead of hitchhiking. What the hell? And why does she have that much money? Well, they got 450 quid each, I think it was, at the start of the series. That's insane, they, they though. Cash, and she's not spent any. So. 100 quid is, I think, more than the total money that people have got in some of these series. It's mm. insane. It is insane. <laughs> I think there's one series where they got 50 quid. Yeah, it was um, it was series three. It was Bob and Alex and Joe and Dan yeah. series. Yeah. They got 50 quid and could only take it out in 20s. That's ridiculous. <laughs> May as well give them nothing. And she's convinced that HQ are right behind her, but they've not had a lead in some days. I wonder why they're so paranoid. Because they've not really been that close to getting caught. I think because they went into this going, we want to just absolutely smash the hunters. They went into it in a state of paranoia already. Yeah. And they're always just a little bit wary. A little bit warier than maybe they should be at some points. Uh, well, it's not a bad place. I mean, if you're going to be overly paranoid, you, you know, if anything it makes you safer, I guess. It's not good for mm. your uh, your mental health, though, is it? Oh no, it's dreadful for your mental health but to win the game. <laughs> Halfway into the series, if you've been in a constant state of paranoia for 14 days, it's probably not going to do wonderful things to you. <laughs> no, no. I mean, I can understand why Ricky would do a show like this, because he has something to prove, but why would anyone else do it without any chance of getting anything from it like why i don't i don't understand it, it's stressful and yes i would do amazing race for free and a lot of people do survivor for free but it's an experience and it's not as though you're stressed about getting caught and it's not a huge mental you know it, it, it's not bad for your health whereas this is so why would anyone do it with no reward. I, I just don't understand. It's the same sort of people who do the island with Bear Grylls, though. It's it's challenging yourself. The same with SAS Who Dares Wins. A sort of big niche for uh, uh, Sun, yeah. Sunday nights on Channel 4. I don't understand why anyone would subject themselves to it with absolutely no reward. Hmm. But they do. But they do. And it's people who are just as competitive as I am, but also love money a lot less than I do. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, because how, how's that big money quiz thing working out for us? I will have you know, I have I have actually technically earned money from quizzing now. Yeah, me too. Only by being a, a placeholder, but technically I have now earned money from quizzing. No, I've I've officially won prize money. So. Oh yeah, you have. You're excluded from my club now. 
So they have some sightings, which correctly indicate that they have split up, and this was sometime around day 12 or 13, which lines up with what we've been told in this episode. And then HQ tracked Drew's car to Glasgow's train station, and Ricky is then spotted on CCTV inside the station, and Nathan and Steve are on two and a half miles away. Ricky's already sat on a Virgin Pendolino to Euston, which pulls away, but Dr. Steve Hersey knows exactly what train it is. And his intention was to go to Milton Keynes, but HQ's actions have spooked him. He's tempted to stay on to Euston, you know, that lovely, quiet station where HQ definitely aren't nearby to send as many people as possible. Yeah, that's a good idea. Either blend in the crowd with Milton Keynes, or go to Euston Station where you're going to stick out like a sore thumb. I know what I'd do. Oh, God. And then Paul and Bex are sent to Euston on the assumption that Ricky will go there. Sherlock is then sent to the platform, Dr. Steve Hersey to an exit, Toddington and Julie on the main concourse, Stacey to the east and a hunter team on site. And it is a proper field trip from HQ. And I do have to point out as well, <laughs> there are other HQ hunters that we see milling about in the crowd here. Paul off of Cyber is one of them. He's very visible in um, in the main concourse as well. Yeah, a fair few of them were there. But in my head, Sherlock gets changed into his white t-shirt and jeans and he doesn't. <laughs> He's still in his suit. No, he um, he stays in his suit for this series. It's, it's from next series where he decides to change into his white t-shirt and jeans, his traditional ground hunter uniform. But what do we get from Sherlock that we've not had until this point? We get the line. Your time on the run is over. Oh, yeah, we do, don't we? We finally yeah. get it. I did actually have that in my... Uh, in my next note, we get our first Your Time on the Run is over. Yeah. Uh, Sherlock does say that it'd be extremely satisfying to put his hands under Ricky's arms and escort him from Euston Station, and their mission is to get him out without anyone noticing. Because, you know, Euston, not the quietest station, you will get noticed if you start dragging someone kicking and screaming from a platform. You'll probably get the British Transport Police at least, if not the bomb squad. It's been pretty quiet recently, to be fair. Well, yeah, but yet again, you would probably notice Dr. Ricky Allen being dragged from Platform 3 of Houston through the main concourse. (laughs) Yeah, because it'd be like, what the hell are you doing? (laughs) They would have to use the excuse that he was probably drunk and rough sleeping on the platform. (laughs) And the reason that I point out that it's Platform 3 is because I think that is probably the platform at Houston I've visited the most. And every single time that I walk through those barriers, I do think of Dr. Ricky Allen. Every time. Mm. It's a really odd station, isn't it? Because you've got the platform and then they all kind of got this weird ramp thing and it's really weird. I find it an odd station to come into because it's it's like they got to the end of the train track and then went, ah, oh, shit, we're supposed to build a station here. Oh, let's do it like 50 yards further up and make everyone walk up a massive ramp. It's a very weird place. Yeah, I think when we met up last January, um, it was actually the platform I came into. Yeah, it could well be. I know I've sent Michelle a picture before of Platform 3 just going, oh, that's Ricky Allen, you're having the runs over. I don't think I used Euston. I don't think I went to Euston when I went No, there. you didn't. I did so many stations, but I'm pretty sure I didn't in Euston because I would have thought about Monopoly if I went there. <laughs> King's Cross, I think you did when we met, which isn't far from Euston, to be fair. but No, or St Pancras. They're all on the same road. Oh, I've done that. Five yeah. minutes apart. So Sherlock sees a train coming in at platform three. Is it Ricky's one, though? For once, we don't get a fake out. It's incredibly tense. Sherlock collars him, and we get our first Your Time of the Run is over. They do the formalities outside, though, because of the sheer amount of armed police around. (laughs) Can you imagine the forms that Kevin O'Leary would have had to sign for that scene? (laughs) (laughs) 
Black says that it is 1-0 to the Dimwits, and Ricky is also the first recipient of a Black's eulogy. Yes. Clever, but not clever enough. So next time Stephen and Martin go traipsing through fields in cycling, Black gets a confirmed sighting, Nick goes on the microphone at a pub, and someone goes missing. Dun, dun, dun. And we see absolutely nothing of the new people who are introduced next episode. I think it's only one. I think it's uh, the final solo player who's introduced next episode. But I can't remember, because, you know, it's ages since I've seen this episode. It's been so long. <laughs> like, I'm trying to be subtle about it, but I haven't seen this episode in five years. <laughs> <laughs> we could actually get to the point where I go, yeah, and what do you think is going to happen next week? Because I have no frigging clue what's going to happen next week. <laughs> I can't remember who wins. Like, like... I can't remember. <laughs> I can remember who wins. I cannot remember A, who gets introduced next week, and B, who gets caught next week. It's good. It's like I'm watching it again. Except there's certain things I never forgot. Like, I never forgot him. Ricky, never forgot Ricky. So are we going to do our own Black's eulogy of, uh, of Ricky? <laughs> he was clever. But not, not clever, clever enough. enough. <laughs> Brilliant. God, I love it when you speak like him. <laughs> <laughs> What Michelle's trying to say to you, Anne, is talk Blacksley to me. (laughs) (laughs) I do love this series because you can just see as it progresses, it becomes more and more about Blacks and Sherlock and Brett Lovegrove gets less and less airtime. It's like they've gone, why did we hire this guy? Just just give him like 10 seconds per episode. Yeah, the fact that you can really tell that they know they've made a bit of a mistake and they try and give Brett they try and give Brett a little bit of a shove after this series just going, Are "You sure you want to come back because you know, <laughs> you didn't get much airtime last time." And then they can just casually move Flex into that position and make it more game show and a bit more fun because after mm. these three episodes you have two really uncomfortable captures in the first two episodes and then you just have a really weird one in this one yeah it is a very odd episode i don't think anyone at the time thought this and i don't think anyone would think it now on a rewatch ricky's capture is just weird mm. it does feel like he just kind of throws his hands up and goes yeah i can't do it anymore it feels like he just stops trying a little bit oh he definitely i'm, I'm convinced that's what happened and I don't know why. I think, like you said, there's no prize money. If he stops enjoying it, he's like, well, what's the point? I'll just get the train back to London and see what happens. If I get a few more days, I get a few more days. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, I think so too. I don't think he necessarily gave up, but I think he got to the point where he just didn't care if he got caught or not. That's that's why I think it's a, it's a surrender kind of move. It's like, you know, whatever, what will be, will be. I'm just going to do this. Yeah, it's it's just a. It just seems to have run out of energy, which is a real shame because, you know, his, his intellect could easily have gotten through another week. Yeah, he could have easily won this series, and yet not only does he not, we're rid of him halfway through the series. Yeah, and again, that's only looking back. Do you realise this? But the amount of airtime he's had in three episodes, they could easily have stretched into six. Yeah. He gets caught on, like, day 18, day 19. And I think it is actually day 19 he gets caught. So you could have easily stretched him out to five episodes minimum. But they had such good content with him 
that they thought, oh, we'll just give people loads of Ricky at the start of the series. Yeah, I think they definitely would have edited it differently later on. And I seem to remember that from episode four onwards, there really is a Ricky-shaped void in the series. Yes. It's not to say it is a bad series after this episode, but you can definitely feel where Ricky would have gone in the episodes. Yeah, and then there, and there is a tone shift. It goes in a different direction from here on. Mm. The stories are told very interestingly with the series anyway, but you do have the rest of the people introduced in the next two episodes who don't necessarily fill the Ricky-shaped hole in the series. He's a big personality. He is. I think in any other series, they would have at least stretched him to five episodes and made him the disappointing episode five boot. Hmm. I'm surprised we've not seen him crop up anywhere else as well. Do you follow him? Uh, on Twitter, I did, but he he was really sporadically used Twitter, and he just used it as a soapbox, really. So okay. he wasn't he wasn't a great person to follow. I think he maybe learnt his lesson from the fact that within ten minutes of being introduced on the series one premiere of Hunted, his search for penis enlargement had been uh, <laughs> had been exposed to the country. <laughs> That's an unfortunate phrasing. It was a deliberate phrasing. <laughs> so, have you got anything else you want to say about this episode? We're running very short for us, I have to say. Yeah, we are, but but I'm not I'm not at all surprised because this episode is very low on activity. Actually, it's a it's a really deeply psychological episode, apart from the random whiskey bit. It's significant because it's Ricky's capture and and it's Emily and Lauren's split, but there's not a lot happens really. Mm. No, and on the split, any other year, I think the hunters would have gone, "Oh my god, they've split!" And in this series, yeah. they just go, "Okay, they've split. That's fine." Yeah, it looks like it looks like they've split. Oh, okay. They just treat it as a complete non-event, which is hilarious. But you want a bit more kind of liveliness about this massive event from HQ, I would say. You want a bit more kind of fire. Oh, well, didn't get it. Yep, didn't get it. Move on to episode four. (laughs) Hopefully. (laughs) Maybe in another five weeks, Ivan can stay away. (laughs) So, thank you for listening to our Hunted Recap. We'll be back this time next week for another episode, assuming Ant stays awake. Don't forget you can contact us on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, or Instagram where we are RTV Warriors, or you can email us and contact at rtvwarriors.com. Ant is on Twitter at Bullsboy. Michelle's on Twitter at Beth. And I'm MJ Helmstone. See you next week. But with that, for now, your time on the run is over. Bye. Very stereo, guys. It was, wasn't it? Harmonizing now.